You're listening to the podcast where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. We made it to another week. This is going to be a really special episode. I say that about every single one, but I have my great co-host, Darren, back. Hey, Darren. Hey, what's up? You know, I've been doing a bunch of these owner interviews without you. I feel a little bit left out, but I understand because I know these scheduling gets all over the place. But uh, I'm sure when you listen to it, you're like, oh, man, Tommy did so well. I wouldn't have added nothing to this kind of thing, right? Yeah, you hold it down quite nicely. You're like <laughs> the um, Dan Rather or something, you know, As if maybe like a Joan Rivers, you know, you hold it down. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's probably the highest compliment you've ever given me, which I love. But no, this is going to be a fun episode for everyone that's listening right now. I have a couple more drops I added in, so I'm uh, hopeful to kind of sprinkle them in throughout the show. But, um, you know, let's just jump right into it. The appetizer. Let's talk about the matchups. We are only a couple of w- uh, weeks away from the playoffs. Darren is on, he's in the hunt. Uh, Right now, if it were all to end today, he'd have that number five seed. But I know he was up against our good friend, uh, Adam, right? Is mayonnaise an instrument? So right now, he's looking like he has the lead. But Darren, you're projected to kind of destroy him. How's that matchup looking right now? Yeah, I mean, right now, I'm down by 15. So I still have Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, Antonio Brown, and Daryl Henderson to play. So... (laughs) Um, unless something goes like catastrophically wrong, I'm, I'm going to (laughs) win. I mean, (laughs) there's no way I'm not going to get 15 points between four people. Um, I mean, I'll probably get 15 from just Tom Brady, I would assume, Mm -hmm. um, or close to it at least. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, I'm projected right now to win by like 30, I think. So, um, yeah, it's probably going to secure me that spot because I think, I think you're, you're, you pretty much need to get the seven wins. And once you're get, you get the seven wins, you're, you're in. Um, there's still some teams that are fighting for that last, like, six seed. Um, but I think I should, because of the amount of points I have, I think I should be, like, in with the seven wins. Um, Absolutely. So this will probably secure it. That's awesome. And, yeah, uh, my matchup's going really, really well. I did go up against one of the Kev bots. And Kev has actually been on fire even without Christian McCaffrey. But kind of heading into this week, I felt pretty confident about my matchup. Uh, Not because Kev doesn't have a strong team, but I just felt a lot more confident in my team moving forward, uh, which is ironic because not everyone on my team really performed that well. Everyone saw that Cardinals-Seahawks game where DeAndre Hawkins didn't necessarily play poorly. I mean, he had five catchers for 51 yards, but fantasy-wise, that was kind of a little bit of a dud. And I was really hyped when uh, DK Metcalf got that touchdown really early in the game. I think he had like... He ended the day with 12 points. I feel like he had 12 points in like that first quarter whenever he had that touchdown. I was like, holy shit, he's about to, he's about to light it up. And then, unfortunately, he didn't really do much for that uh, rest of the game. So I was a little bit disheartened. I was like, oh, man, Kev's probably has a chance. And then the rest of my team started to play pretty well. So I felt really good about that. But actually, all of my attention, I feel like with most of the league, I know Max uh, was kind of telling me about it, was on that huge, huge game, Kenny versus Chuck. I feel like that's kind of the game that everyone was looking at, and they've been swinging back and forth right now. I think Chuck's ahead with just a single point, but it's looking that like Kenny is going to wrap it up. He still has Cooper Cup to go tonight, um, so I think it's a little bit safe to say he's going to win unless you know Cooper Cup drops a 
Dodo where he even gets negative points or something like that. But I've been really excited. But I know we were talking before the show. You said uh, you fully believe that Chuck is going to secure that final seed. Yeah, I mean, so he play, He scores, I think, like 150 every week. Um, next week he plays Adam. Um, Adam's he's going through a rebuilding process, admittedly so. Um, he traded away Devontae Adams to you, Julio Jones to me. Um, so he traded away a lot of his big-name pieces like Kamara. Um, not that he doesn't have a bad team because he's got like James Robinson, DJ Chark. Like he's got mm-hmm. a good young core. Um, but Chuck's scoring 150 a week. It's hard to overcome that. So that's who he plays next week. That's probably a win. You never know in fantasy, but it's probably a win. Um, and then the week after that, the final week, which might be like the, the, the playoff decider, mm-hmm. um, he plays Joe. And... This guy double check! Mr. Rogers and Joe. So, same, same kind of scenario. Um, Joe's got a better, like, win-now type roster. He's got Rodgers, Kamara, Tyler Lockett. Um, so, his team could potentially pop off and score enough points to beat him. But Chuck's team is just very, very good. Um, he's got, I think... No, Joe Mixon won't be back by that point because that's that's three weeks. But he's got – I mean, he's got Pat Mahomes. Um, Carson Wentz is terrible, but he puts up fantasy points. Um, mm-hmm. He's got Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds, whoever he starts that week. Kareem Hunt, Darren Waller, Calvin Ridley, Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to contend with a team like that. It's possible, but I think Chuck should probably win – both of them, even though he's going to lose this week to Kenny, I think he's it's it's a tough road for him because he's he has to win both of those games. But I think if history holds out um, so far this season, I mean he's second in points and he's very close second in points. So it, it's I think he's going to get there, but it's going to be like it's going to be close. Yeah, absolutely. I have been preaching. This entire time, and you've been hearing it, everyone's been hearing it, I am Joe's biggest fan this year. (laughs) Uh, I am going to be rooting him on relentlessly, hoping that he could take him down, because I think, like you said, I think it's all going to come down to that Week 13 matchup. Chuck versus Joe. Whoever wins, you are in. I think that's going to be the scenario that it's going to be. And I I can't wait. I've never really been in. uh, Out of all the years I've been playing fantasy football, I'm sure it's happened before, but this is one of the most memorable, like, finishes so i'm really really excited about that but and it's always really hard to predict like we said it, uh we all thought that chuck was going to dominate again but he's really on that fringe after repeating so you know it's been such a hard game such a hard thing to do which is what makes it so fun but uh speaking about predictions anytime you predict something you usually get pretty excited and you either get um surprised by some things or disappointed for something so let's jump right into that next segment the main course so we are almost done with the whole uh nfl season already which is unfortunate but you know with the playoffs coming up we have room to be excited but uh, i think we have enough of the picture to kind of make some calls right now there so i kind of want to open it up and just ask who has been the biggest surprise on your roster this year uh, i would definitely say ronald jones um Back when I made that trade with, with Adam, 
Um, Ronald Jones is kind of just like the, the throw-in kind of guy. I mean, he was okay last year. The year before that, he was awful. Um, but, I mean, he bounced back a little bit last year. He was, he was solid, you know. Um, but Bruce Arians didn't really seem to have that much confidence in him after they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, mm-hmm. and then they signed Leonard Fournette. So it didn't really seem like Ronald Jones was going to be all that great this year. Um, but he looks like he's their best running back. I mean, he doesn't even look like Ronald Jones anymore. He looks like like Eric Blunt. Like, it's really weird. He's, like, kind of transformed into, like – I mean, when he came out of college, he looked like Jamal Charles. But now he's, like, big and – he's, like, a big dude now. It's weird. Um, but he's, like – he's playing really well. He's definitely their best runner of the football. He can't catch for his life, but he can run. Um <laughs> So, I mean, he was a nice surprise. I, I didn't really expect him to be much of anything, if I'm being honest. Um, I thought he was going to be like, maybe I start him here or there in a couple games, but that's it. You know, like a nice flex appeal guy, but that's it. Yeah, I feel like Ronald Jones, I think I told you before, he was like the opposite of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell coming out of uh, college out of Michigan uh, State or wherever he was from, he was like known as like that big, fat, bruising runner kind of like what ronald jones is now and then all of a sudden when levy bell got in the nfl he was like you know what i'm gonna lose weight and then he became this like patient one cut type of running back that we now know him today whereas rojo he was more that type of elusive i'd rather make a miss kind of running back in college and then when he got to the nfl he tried it and he was horrible and then suddenly he was like you know what i suck at this i'm gonna try something else and now he's pretty darn good which is weird because coming out I hated him but I feel like I can't confidently say oh yeah I was so wrong about him because he literally changed his entire identity but I would definitely say he is a a definite surprise I'm really excited to see him keep it up because kind of like you I keep thinking every time he fumbles he's in Bruce Arians like doghouse and he is for the most part but then he eventually goes back to him probably because of just how talented he is now running the ball the way that he is I feel like he doesn't even have a choice, really, because, I mean, I mean, Leonard Fournette, he's high draft pick and everything. He's always going to have that clout to his name. But, like, he's, you know, he is what he is. He's not nothing special. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to um, kind of piggyback off of you. The biggest surprise on my roster this year uh, is similar to you. It is a running back. Uh, rookie year didn't do almost anything to impress me. Uh, but that's not his fault because in my case, he literally didn't do anything at all. I'm talking about Damian Harris, running back, Patriots. You know, the past couple of weeks, or actually, let's rewind. The first kind of start, what, when Damian Harris got a majority of the workload, what, was that like four weeks ago? I remember I was watching that game and I was texting with you because uh, for those of you who don't know, Darren used to be a co-owner of my very successful franchise now. Darren, I'll give you some credit for laying the foundation to how successful my team is right now. So big shout out to you. Uh, But Damian, or not Damian, so Darren was actually instrumental in me selecting Damian Harris in the rookie draft. I believe we took him in the second round. Uh, I know uh, I just need to throw it out there just because I always need to bring it up. Uh, I was fighting to draft AJ Brown at the time, but Darren made a really good point saying, no, you have tons of good receivers. Let's try to get this running back. I think Damian Harris is the guy. And I was like, all right, Darren. Uh, I think at the time, the last time we had an argument during their startup draft, I, I kind of sided with myself. So then I kind of owed it to Darren this time around when I said, all right, you know what? Uh, instead of AJ Brown, I will get Damian Harris. I- I'll trust you. And then after the first year last year, I wasn't upset. Like, I couldn't yell at Darren being like, oh, man, 
you suck for making me take Damian Harris. He sucked because he literally didn't do anything at all. And now fast forward to now, like when I first really saw him play like four weeks ago, he kind of had a little burst in this. I was like, Oh, you know, he's not that bad, but you know, Belichick being Belichick, he kept rotating other running backs. And then every single week from that point on, he kept getting the ball more and more and more. And I think the percentages start to kind of favor him a bit more all up until last week where he looked phenomenal. I was like, Oh my God. Like I know Sony isn't, active right now but I know he should be probably back next week but that doesn't really scare me right now anymore because I just keep looking at the way Damian Harris is running and he's been an absolute pleasant surprise especially at a moment where you know I had Raheem Mostert go down I had David Johnson go down like I had a bunch of my running backs go down and then thankfully for me listening to you now I have a very serviceable running back that uh if you were to ask me at the beginning of the season you know Tommy I'll give you like you know a second for him or a third for him. I, I'd honestly would think about it. I'd be like, all right, yeah, maybe. But now I, oh man. So thanks to you, Dare. What do you think about Damian Harris? I mean, I think he's got the job. I'm, I think that, I mean, with Belichick, it's always possible that they might do something in the off season or something. But right now, um, Sonny Michelle, they took him off IR. He's healthy and they made him a healthy scratch. So um I think they kind of flip roles and the role that Damian Harris was in last year, where he's like that reserve running back that doesn't dress, doesn't play. That's now Sony Michelle. Um, and I think rightfully so because Damian Harris looks better than Sony Michelle did before he got hurt. Sony Michelle's like so extremely weird of a running back because like in the NFL, they made the Patriots made him into like like a LeGarrette Blunt, like he filled their LeGarrette Blunt role, the big plotter that's going to get touchdowns, run the mm-hmm. ball, and then they bring in James White. Rex Burkhead's like the flex guy. Um, but it's so weird because that's not what he was in college at all. Like he was more of like a DeAndre Swift, Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara, like mm-hmm. we're going to get you catches and we're going to put you in space. And like he would have been perfect for that Rex Burkhead role which is really what he should be doing. And maybe, maybe because I, um, I think I saw Rex Burkhead got hurt. So maybe now Sonny Michel plays that role he should have always been in. Um, who knows? But I think Damien Harris, he has that, that runner. He's the, he's the like Arab blunt now. He's, that's his. Yeah, I, that's a great point that you brought up because I do side with a lot of Darren's opinions when it comes to college football, because I would say I haven't really gotten into college football uh, until like the last three years. I'm getting more and more into it. I know Darren could defend me on that. Like he could be like, yeah, Tommy doesn't know fucking shit about college football, which is true, but I feel like I definitely have been scouting. So hopefully Darren will then say, you know, but he, I saw, I've seen some of Tommy scouting, so it's not that bad. So I'm hoping getting a little bit better there, but I remember when I started to see Sony Michelle on the Patriots and he, he's just, he's not bad, but he's not good. He's just like the most average. He's like, he's like current day Frank Gore. Like he's not good or he's just, he'll get you the three, four yards and that's it. And I'm like, Darren, I don't know much about college football, but I very much remember whenever I, you know, was in tune with Georgia. And every time I saw Sony Michelle highlights, it was like the most explosive things I've ever seen. But in the NFL, it's like neutered. I don't understand what's happening. And Darren, and you're just like, yeah, dude, I have no fucking idea how they're using him. It doesn't make any sense right now, which is really, really weird. Because even though they kind of put him in this, not bell cow role, but like the just run between the tackles, you would still expect to see a little bit of that spark that you saw. But like, I just don't know. Like now I watch, I'm like, oh, it's too late. It's kind of like what happened to Gurley. Like anything that was there is now just kind of gone. 
Yep. I And it's it's weird because the Patriots are usually one of the best teams in the league at kind of putting that guy in the role to succeed and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. making them get everything they can out of him. But I, I don't, I don't know. It's a mystery. I don't, I don't know what it is with him. It's so weird, but I, I think he's, uh, his days are probably numbered in New England at this point. Yeah, absolutely agree, especially with all those degenerative knee or whatever he has. But, you know, kind of on that tone of the unknown and disappointment, let's kind of turn that table. Dare, the most surprising player on your team this year was Rojo, Ronald Jones, running like a beast now. Uh, Now let's play the flip side. What has been the most disappointing player on your team? Definitely carry on Johnson. Um, (laughs) I mean, he's only – I think 22 years old, maybe 23. Um, he's like, he was really good his rookie year. Last year, he, he got hurt again. Um, but, like, it wasn't nothing crazy. Like, he didn't tear his ACL or what. There wasn't any, like, major structural damage or anything. I think it was, like, a meniscus injury, which usually, like, like some guys get that midseason and they come back in, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I actually think Miles Sanders might have had something similar that year, and he missed literally three weeks, and one of the weeks was a bye. Um, but I don't know. It's it's really weird. Um, but he's like – I knew when I traded – I traded the 11th pick of the second round for him to um, Sir Voss. And at the time, like I was like – Yeah, it's almost a third-round pick, but it's still a second, and it will always be a second to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, – it was like, it was like kind of like taking a shot at that point because it was my my running backs were terrible and they still are terrible, um, and I like I like carry on. Um, I think he's a good player. I think now, for whatever reason, they're using the fossil Adrian Peterson instead of him, and he had like he had like fifteen carries for like eighteen yards this week. Adrian Peterson, like he's not good anymore, and they just keep using him. I don't understand it. And that's totally All on Matt Patricia, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, carry on. I don't understand what's wrong with him. Um, I think he needs to get on a new team and hopefully he probably will. Like I knew when I traded for him, I knew that the lions were going to draft a running back. I kind of expected to be like Zach Moss because that's kind of in their like mold Mm -hmm. of like, we want running backs that are going to get five yards and not mess anything up. They don't like the, um, (laughs) they don't like ceiling guys. They're like, Oh, who has the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling. Oh, Zach Moss. Oh shit. We really should have drafted that kid, man. Yeah. And then they, they go out and they, um, probably like a month after I trade for carry on, they draft, uh, Deandre Swift. And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) Um, cause he was like my, he was my favorite running back in the draft. So I was like, God damn it. Like, that's not, that's not good. Um, it's either like the only people I really didn't want to go to Detroit were DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. And <laughs> one of them went there. So I was like, oh, no, that's great. Um, but I, I mean, I still expected like it to be like a 60 40 timeshare with carry on. Like he's going to get some touches, but then they signed old Adrian Peterson and then he doesn't get any touches. Um, but I mean, he's definitely been a been a disappointment just because I, I think it's more so the adrian peterson thing than anything else yeah um I, I don't even understand why they would sign him because adrian peterson even said himself when they started deandre swift last week that they should have done it three weeks earlier <laughs> like no shit like <laughs> obviously you should have start the 21 year old phenom over the 37 year old ancient 
way past his prime running back. Like, no shit. Like, if Adrian Peterson himself is admitting that, like, he knows that he's not – like, he's not in back even when he was on the Saints and Sean Payton wasn't using him and he was all mad. He's not even at that point of his career anymore. Like, he knows that he's just, like, a bench depth kind of guy. He know, he probably knows that carry-on should be playing over him too, but he's probably too proud to say that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, like – I don't know. Matt Patricia is a terrible coach, and they're probably winning too many games for him to get fired. But it's insane. Like he's he has no idea what he's doing. It's crazy. It's always just fun to see kind of what's going on there. But no, I I agree. When I first saw that trade go through, at the time I was looking at your running back thing, and I was like, oh my god, here is Darren again doing this classic. You know, not fleecing, but you know, you're known to make some pretty good deals like that's your reputation in the league and that's something that you should be really proud of and at that time I was like here's another one Darren stealing players but uh you know hindsight 2020 but you know all it takes is just a change of scenery and giving another chance and then him kind of just going off and so I, I feel like you still have some you know hope there I think the biggest disappointment for my team it's a little bit weird because this player is no longer on my team but it was Joe Mixon Joe Mixon and I have a history together when he came out of Oklahoma, Darren, uh, I know I was very adamant. That was the draft with Leonard Fournette, CMC, all those guys. And I said, no, Joe Mixon is going to be the best running back in this class. And I, I, I loved Joe uh, even after that video of you know, him beating that girl. But anyway, I was like, no, he's a changed man. He's better. So, you know, during the startup draft, when I saw him falling in the first, I gave Jensen my entire rookie draft class, all my picks to move up into the startup and then to just draft Joe Mixon looking back now I'm like oh my god I could have just taken so many better players but that's how much I like Joe and so last year he started off really slow but he ended really well so it kind of skewed it made him look better than he actually was and I knew that but anyone looking at Joe Mixon stats wouldn't know that and then when this season started off he started doing the same bullshit and I was like oh my god but I was excited because he did get that contract extension but then in my head, I kept thinking, well, the O-line is really bad. They have, they do have Joe Burrow, so, you know, he should be better than he was last year because now he has a quarterback. And, well, fast forward now, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is hurt. But, but even before all this happened, he was just such a bitch to have, like, on my roster. I'm sure everyone here knows, like, everyone knows of a pretty good player you've had on your fantasy roster, but he's always such a headache because he's always hurt or he's not playing or this happens or he – does a goose that was Joe Mixon and so he just kept doing it to the point where I had to trade him so I don't know about you Darren but I would love to get your take on Joe as someone who doesn't own him and has just kind of been playing fantasy and just kind of been observing him um I kind of think what you think now um definitely not what you did think um there's this like I kind of think that Joe Mixon is kind of like a souped up TJ Yeldon um, Ooh, I don't. I don't think he's like Joe oh, Mixon. Fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't think he sucks, but I also don't think he's like that great. Yeah, you I know mean, Joe Mixon like, listens to this podcast, right? Well, I mean, he's got a mean right hook. That's probably the best thing he does. Oh, but shit. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he's like above average at everything. You know, he's like a he's like a B runner a b receiver like he's he's just kind of like above average at everything you know which is good don't get me wrong he's a good player but he's not like great um i don't know i, I never really like kind of saw it that much like i i mean if i was 
I know that the Bengals kind of just re-signed all of their players no matter what. But if I was running that team, I probably would have just let him go rather than give him $50 million or whatever he got and just kind of – I mean, Giovanni Bernard had two really good games with um, with the Bengals, and he's like five foot six and 180 pounds. Like, I mean, you put whoever – I was going to say take... that um, like Aaron Jones has been much better than Mixon and much more explosive, but it's kind of almost looking like the Packers aren't even going to re-sign him right now. Yeah, Let I mean, what, you know, Mixon's happening. I think, you know who, um, Chuba Hubbard kind of reminds me of Joe Mixon a little bit. Like, he's, like, tall, upright runner. Mm-hmm, he's, like, pretty mm-hmm. good at everything, but not, like, amazing at everything. And, like, I mean, that's good. Like, he's a good, he'll probably, I mean, Joe Mixon's not going anywhere. He's going to be around for a long time, but he's just not, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's one of the five best running backs in the league. Definitely not. And yeah, he got paid like one. So if I'm following that logist or like logic of like Joe Mixon, you know, kind of good at everything, but not really like great at anything. And you're comparing him to Chuba. You fucking hate Joe. Does that mean you hate Chuba? No, I like Chuba <laughs> because because he told um he told Mike Gundy to fuck off, and I like it. It was, it was cool. He told his head coach to that he was being an asshole, and like that's cool. I, I like that. Darren's but, book. He's uh, like, "Oh, dude, I'm drafting you one one, bitch. I got three first round picks. I'll make." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chuba has been pretty bad this year. Not gonna lie, he um he looked he should have left last year when he could have because he uh I don't know I I mean I'm assuming he'll still be like a day two pick just because the running backs this year are pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, he um. He didn't do himself any favors by coming back to school. I'll say that. Yeah, but oh, that's that's always a lot of fun. But yes, yeah, so I think throughout the season you always get your disappointments. For me, it was definitely Joe. I know yours is carry on, but then you do have the success stories, uh, Rojo and Damian. So it's always fun. But uh, man, this is a fun league. You you can never guess what's gonna happen. The dessert. So always like to end all these podcasts with a little bit of something off topic, and the topic for this evening's podcast is going to be about uh i'll say it our favorite yow my favorite yow because kenny doesn't even respond to me half the time so kev i love kev you love kev there um and actually here let's let's kind of change it up a little bit i know what i have on my show doc but uh, let's talk about what i want to talk about first and then we'll get to the show doc there has been this thing with kev where everyone that meets him for like the first time at least for me he kind of rubbed me the wrong way, so I didn't like Kev. Um, and he always annoyed me for a while. And then after a while, he began to grow me, and now he's like my favorite person in the world. So this is just my way of saying, Darren, what was your first impression of Kev? Like, what was your, what's your first story that you remember that involved Kev? Um, so I came to Markle in 10th grade. I transferred in, like, the beginning of the school year. Um, and me, you, and Kev were actually were all in the same homeroom. And <laughs> um, Kev was one of those kids that carried around like 17 binders and like never went to his locker, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he had to have every single textbook he owned and every binder like all with him all at one time. I mean, he I got a good workout story. in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know but, the story. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, this kid is such a freaking nerd. Like, he is, like, one of the <laughs> biggest nerds I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> but, he has those thick ass glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those real big like glasses. magnifying glasses. <laughs> and I always like do this, and and he's Asian too, and like you know, like the stereotype where like if mm-hmm. Asian kids don't get like A's, they get beat up, and like I was like, this kid definitely gets whipped if he gets like a B plus. And <laughs> um, I mean, actually, after knowing Kev. They did give him, his parents did give him a hard time with grades and stuff. <laughs> so you weren't wrong. You weren't wrong. I definitely was not wrong on that aspect. But um, um, so then one day I was sitting in her room. I was, I was probably in, in Marple for like a week or two at that point. And um, then you go over to Kev and you knock all of his books all over the ground. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this kid's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> and and that's, I think, how I started talking to you, because you were a bully. I was going to say, you made me sound like the biggest dick. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, like, at first I thought, like, I kind of thought you were an ass, but then I, like, realized that you were, like, friends with Kev, um, and you just did it just kind of to, to mess with him. Um, so that's why I was like, you know, just you got to show this kid that he's carrying around too many binders. <laughs> You gotta, somehow you got to teach them. So you're just encouraging my bullying. <laughs> you know, yeah. anyone listening to this podcast, just remember, if you're just a dick, someone might think it's kind of funny, and then you're kind of spout this lifelong friendship. So No, it's, if it wasn't for Kev. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, no, I love, I freaking love Kev. And that it's kind of funny because that's kind of, like I asked what your first impression of Kev was, but in that same scenario, that's kind of your first impression of me as well. Cause that's, you kind of met us at the same exact time. So for those of you who don't, don't know, uh, me, Kevin, Darren, we're all in the same, um, grade, I guess, or class. So we graduated in high school and all that kind of stuff. And we were just kind of like friends for a while. So that's kind of why I asked Darren here today to ask what his favorite story with, uh, Kev was, uh, so far. Cause uh, I know, we all kind of really spent a lot of our lives together and we're, you know, really good friends. So yeah. Dare, what is your favorite Kevin Yao story to kind of show people he is not actually a robot? <laughs> um, my favorite Kevin Yao story is definitely from St. Patty's Day. I think it was five <laughs> years ago. Oh, boy. Um, so St. Patty's 2015. Um, we were down in the city in Philadelphia, um, obviously. Well, I guess not obviously, but, you know. Keep uh, <laughs> it together, man. We were in Philadelphia in Cavanaugh's and Rittenhouse Square. And we were in the downstairs, uh, downstairs bar area. And I was with Kev and a couple other people that we were with. They... Um, they were getting ready to leave. So I think they, I think they might've left before Kev left. Um, but Kev came over to me and he was like, yo, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And I was like, okay, uh, um, I'll, I'll wait here. Cause we were going to, uh, other people were going to um, Patty Wax and we were going to meet them there. So I was like, all right, I'll wait for you. And then we'll get an Uber. We'll go over to Patty Wax. Um, you know, when you're like drinking time kind of slips you a little bit. So, um, I thought was like 15 minutes. I was like, where is Kev? But then I like looked at my phone and he was gone for like an hour. And I was like, where the hell did he go? Like what happened to Kev? Because obviously unless he's taken like a massive shit, like he's gotta be coming back soon. So I like went around, 
Um, I checked the bathroom downstairs. I checked the bathroom upstairs. He wasn't in either. I thought maybe he was like yakking his brains out, but <laughs> I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't in the bathrooms. He wasn't anywhere to be found in the bar because at this point it was like, I think it was probably like six o'clock or something. And then like, um, because the Aaron Express is kind of like a, you start in the morning, you kind of go back home and then you mm-hmm. kind of rally and then you go back out at night. Um, but Kev had other plans, I guess, um, to say the least. So I texted Kev, I called Kev. I was like, dude, where are you? Like, where are you? And he wasn't answering. So I was, I called him. I don't remember how many times I called him at this point. Um, but instead of texting me back, he <laughs> sent me a Facebook message and it was literally just a period, nothing else, just a period. <laughs> Yo, he and got kidnapped, like, man. I was like, what the hell? What is wrong with him? Like, what, what is he doing right now? So I, I like, obviously that wasn't a response to anything that I asked him. Like, where, where are you? What are you doing? Like nothing. Um, and I sent him a bunch more messages and then he sent me back a comma, nothing else, just a comma. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck, man? So then at this point, like, I'm like, obviously he's nowhere to be found in in Kavanaugh. So I was like, all right, we're going to, um, I was with one of my other friends, Tim, and we were, um, going to walk to Paddywax at this point because we were like, maybe we'll like see him on the way or something. I don't know. Like we weren't going to take an Uber just because, um we thought maybe there was more of a chance we might find him walking um maybe he like fell in a ditch or something on the way um but we got i think we got two paddy wax um there wasn't like that many people there because we were kind of like early for the second rush um and then kenny his brother called me and he said yo how the fuck did kev get the chester and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you got to preface this on how far Chester is from you for the people who don't know. So Chester is about a 30-minute drive from Rittenhouse Square. So Kev, I don't know how he got there still to this day, and I don't think Kev knows either. Um, but Kenny was not happy, to say the least, because he had to leave um, pick, He had to leave work, I think, to pick Kev up in Chester. And... <laughs> he was like, I just picked Kev up from a from a gas station in Chester. He used <laughs> he used the phone from the gas station to call me because he he his phone was dead. So instead, I don't know what he was doing with his phone because he wasn't answering me. <laughs> but but he somehow he drained all of his battery, and he had to use the gas station phone to call Kenny to pick him up. And then the next day, Kev texted me, and he said he's like yo, how did I get to Chester? And I was like, Kev, how would I know how you got to Chester? And he was like, well, I got there and I didn't spend any money and I have no, nothing's missing. Like I didn't get robbed, like nothing happened. I didn't, I have no missing cash, no missing cards, no charges on my credit card, nothing. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So like clearly he didn't walk. Yeah, like clearly he didn't walk because this is like probably 15 20 miles away like clearly he did not walk in like an hour so somehow he got in a car with some random person and they drove him to chester and he got out of the car and, and then went to a gas, gas station. station and called kenny yeah so i don't i don't really all, know 
of this, I'm just imagining Kenny, at the time he probably had a different job, but just for the sake of my fantasy and how funny it sounds to me, I'm imagining, because Kenny, for those of you guys who don't know, works in a lab. And so in my head, I'm just imagining Kenny just being a fucking scientist and shit, his phone going off, and then him just being like, oh, fuck. And his coworkers are like, yo, Kenny, what's wrong? He's like, yo, guys, I, I got to go to uh, I gotta go to Chester real quick. Oh, why? My brother got really drunk on St. Patrick's Day, and now he's just at a gas station, and he doesn't know how he got there. That's how I'm imagining this conversation went, <laughs> with him just being in, like, a little lab and stuff like that. Yeah, that's probably how it went. I mean, <laughs> it, I'm... I mean, that's probably exactly how it went, because it's, I mean, how else do you say that, like, hey, I gotta leave, because my, my older brother is at a gas station drunk <laughs> in Chester. Oh, man, yeah, that's just perfectly Kevin, though, it's, it, like, it's, he's yeah. such a lovable guy, my, my favorite memory of Kev, uh, I won't take too long, in high school, every senior class has some type of, it's like a talent show, that we host and it's the biggest fundraiser for the senior class every single year. And we call it the variety show. You, there's just like a bunch of different acts. It doesn't have to be singing. It can literally be whatever it wants. And I was one of the hosts for the show. And ever since I was the host for the show, I kept telling Kev being like, just like as a joke, almost like me, like, yo, Kev, you got to do something. You got to do something for the variety show. Like, I would love to have an act. You'll be a fucking legend. And mind you, like, everyone knows who Kevin Yao is at our school. He's just, you know, everyone just knows him. He's the best. And he actually agreed to do the variety show. And he didn't tell me what he was going to do. And the thing about the variety show is you have to audition beforehand so we could deem everything appropriate. Like, uh, there's a couple people from the school there kind of monitoring everything. And then finally... I saw Kev and him perform. They wrote like a fucking rap to like Gangster's Paradise with a group of friends. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so it was fucking awesome. So my favorite memory is uh, uh, as a sketch or as a host, we did a little bit of a sketch opening up their act. I got a bunch of these t-shirts with Kevin Yale's face printed on them. And we got like 20 of them. We threw it all out in the audience. And the funny thing is I actually threw one to my sister, which I didn't know about. So when I got home, I actually have this t-shirt with Kevin Neal's face on it. And then that night, uh, whenever they did that rap thing, oh my God, he went down as legends. Like fucking Kevin Neal, fucking love that guy. But that's like, that's who he is. I'm really hoping to get him on this podcast soon, Dare. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, I definitely think Kev needs to do this. Just, I mean, do you a lot of the guys want... Huh? Do you remember Kev... Uh, doing that. Oh yeah, I remember. It still comes oh. up on my um, it still comes up on my Facebook memories once a year. <laughs> Yo, do you actually have like a recording or anything of it, or no? I I don't. Um, oh. I don't even know who. I don't even know who posts it. So I w- I don't even think I'll be able to find it. But maybe if it comes up on my my. If Facebook it ever comes group, up again, we gotta get that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Kev might have it. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's his most cherished memory. He better fucking have. Yeah. It. It was, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, Coolio's Gangster Paradise and Kevin Yao rapping to it. So it's that same, <laughs> that same Asian kid with the thick glasses with the 17 binders rapping to Coolio. Fuck, he made a pretty... mic. Oh, my God. He made so yeah. many panties drop that night. He did. I mean, all the girls <laughs> were all into Kevin Yao from that point forward. Oh, man. Yeah, well... Well, what I'm hoping to do is always kind of share some memories at the end of these podcasts to kind of get you guys to know us a bit more. And hopefully we'll have more owners on because I would love to get to know. Like, I would love to know more about Chuck. Like, I just want to get to know him more. So when I bend him over and fuck his team, 
I will have better insults than him saying, I know you're an eye surgeon, but I'm wrecking you, you know, like I, I need more. Yeah. Chuck's like the international man of mystery. He, he'll be there for like five minutes and then he disappears for three weeks. And then you're like, dude, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, this podcast has been a lot of fun for everyone involved. So uh, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, this grow because I feel like this is just a really awesome platform for everyone to kind of get to know each other. But um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to add my friendo? Um, I just want to say, I'm sorry to, to Mayo. Um, I wanted to lose this week. I really did. <laughs> I wanted to lose all the rest of my games, but unfortunately I couldn't give you a win. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Is this uh sounds love collusion? Hey, I'm putting out my best roster and I'm winning games that I don't want to win. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, you know, I'm really excited. And I know you said Chuck is a lock to make a playoffs, but I guess we're going to have to say. I, um, Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We'll catch you next time.